All right, well, the last couple weeks we've been talking about spirit, soul, and body. And for, for uh, some of you who've never heard that teaching before, and I know before I heard this message, there was a lot of scripture verses that just didn't make sense to me. I didn't understand uh, how I related to God now in the New Testament, how they related to God in the Old Testament. But in case you missed it, I'm going to give you a little refresher and expand on it again more today. But two weeks ago, I shared how we are a three-part being. We are a spirit. We have a soul, which is your mind, will, and your emotions, and you live in a body. We can see this in Hebrews 4, uh, 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So since we have never seen our born-again spirits before, you've never seen it, I've never seen it, the only way you're going to be able to know what it looks like is by looking into the mirror of God's word. Just like you've never seen your face before without the help of a mirror, you need a mirror to tell you what you look like in the morning. We need to take advantage of that, don't we? Before we leave the house, look in the mirror, make sure we brushed our teeth and our hair is looking okay. But we haven't seen our spirit before, so you cannot tell what your spirit looks like by how you feel. That's your, that's your soul, that's your, your emotional realm. That's not your spirit realm. The only way you're ever going to know what your spirit looks like after you're born again is to find out what the Word of God says your spirit looks like. That's the only way. Okay, because the devil's going to tell you you're horrible, you're no good, you're good for nothing, all these things. He's going to tell you that, but you need to know who you are in Christ because it makes an absolute difference in your life. So our new self is, is our new nature, our new born-again spirits that were created by God to be like God, truly righteous and truly holy. That's found in Ephesians 4.24. Now we'll read that, and I'll tell you, it takes faith to believe this. This is an example of what your new born-again spirit looks like today. If you are in Christ, okay, this is what it looks like. It says, to put on the new self, that's your new nature, created to be like God. Your new nature is created to be just like God, okay? Right. This is quite contrary to what you've heard in a lot of churches growing up. It's in the Bible, amen? amen? It's in the Bible. It's the Word of God. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I'm going to say some statements today. It might shock you. But I'm going to tell you, your spirit will bear witness what I'm saying because it's, it's the gospel truth. Yeah. The gospel truth is what works in your life. You can go to church all your life and never be changed. Right. Never be changed. Because they hear the same message every Sunday, how you're a sinner, how you're no good. You need to repent, repent, repent. And you never have a revelation of what Christ did for you and how he wants to take you out of that into something different. Yeah. Amen? Right. So uh, that was two weeks ago. Then last week we looked at what are we conscious of? What are we conscious of? Hebrews 10.2 says this, For the worshipers, once purified, would have no more consciousness of sins. Yet we preach on it a lot of places every Sunday. But the worshiper, once purified, would have no more consciousness of sin. I explained it doesn't mean you can just sin now and not feel bad about it. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about your sinful nature. That sinful nature is gone. Since it's gone, you don't need to be conscious of it anymore. You need to be conscious of something different. What do we need to be conscious of? Who we are in Christ. Amen. This is not a topic. This is an absolute foundational teaching for you to, who am I now? Has there been a change? Or just like, well, we're just going to hang in there and bunker down, and one day we'll get better when we die and get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. But for now, we're just going to be exactly the same and hope we're good enough to make it. That is full of, of, of doubt, unbelief. There's no faith in that. It's impossible to please God without faith. 
Is it possible to receive anything from God without faith? We don't have to guess in this wishy-washy, maybe, eeny, meeny, miny, mo kind of theology, hoping that we made it. The word of God, you stand on it. You can bank your life on it. It's not going to change forever. He said you don't need to have consciousness of your sins anymore. Then you don't need to have consciousness of your sins anymore. And you don't need to hear about it every single Sunday. You don't need to. That's why I grew up in those churches. And I love those churches. I love those pastors. I love the people. But it didn't set me free. It didn't help me. Just made me go home feeling condemned. Everybody, oh man, I guess I got to pray more. I guess I got to read my Bible more. But until you understand the work of Christ in your spirit and what he's already done for you, I don't believe you're really going to grow to the capacity and the level that God wants for you. Amen. So last week we also talked about um, the root meaning of the Greek word for conscious is to see the union, to see with, and to see together. We're going to be consciously aware of something. And he wants you to be consciously aware of the union that you now have with Christ. Some of you remember I had the yoke here last, last week, and Joey was helping to hold it, and my friend John was helping to hold it. And uh, anyway, if you're here, yeah. if you weren't here, go back and watch it. It was funny. That part was pretty funny. I love what Mitzi said after to John. <laughs> we all knew who the ox was, John. And uh, anyway, it was pretty funny. But uh, if you weren't here, the... The, in the Old Testament, well, the New Testament says don't be unequally yoked. Just a quick version of that is, and it referred back to don't yoke an ox with a donkey, okay? And so you can figure that out from there, why that was funny. So if you didn't hear either one of these messages, I encourage you to go back. You can watch it on our YouTube channel. You can listen to it on SoundCloud. You can also, on iTunes or any of your favorite listening apps. But those teachings to me are so foundational for who we are in Christ because you have to remind yourself daily. If you let yourself just emotionally, well, I don't feel this way. I don't feel, it has nothing to do with your feelings. Nothing to do. You will get good feelings sometimes in worship and praise and worship and things like that and hearing a good message, but your spirit, man, in your faith has nothing to do with your feelings. It has to do with what you believe. What you believe. Okay? So... We're going to go on today, and today we're going to continue this teaching. But understanding the finished work of Jesus in our spirits is pivotal to our personal growth and development. You can go through life with this woe is me Christian attitude, or you can find out who you are in Christ, and now that you're you're not just an overcomer anymore, you're more than a conqueror. You're more than an overcomer. There's victorious scriptures in the Bible that actually apply to us. But guess what? You're only going to walk in them when you take them by faith and not by, well, I don't feel that's true. Well, guess what? You're never going to walk in it. It has nothing to do with your feelings. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and speaking it out of your mouth. It gets into your heart. You believe it and it changes your life. It's the power of God unto your salvation. Yes. Amen. You know, Proverbs 23, 7, the first part, it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Okay. We are the way we think, and we think the way we are. And if we are not conscious of the change that has taken place, if we are conscious of the union between our new man and Christ, we will go through life changed spiritually, but living as if nothing has changed. I need to say it again. If you are not conscious of the change that's taken place, if you're not conscious of the union between the, the the new man you and Christ, You'll go through life spiritually changed, but living as if nothing has changed. Because it's a finished work of Christ. It's already finished. When he said it's finished, he really meant it. It is finished. But if we're not aware that it's finished, it's not going to benefit us. Amen? 
So we need to be conscious of this change. We need to be conscious of who we are in Christ. When we experience breakthrough in our life, it isn't just this uh, sovereign move of God one day, God touched you and, and all of a sudden your life has changed. Even though that happens to a degree, the Holy Spirit does touch you and we need his help for that. But what really is going on is you become consciously aware of something that Jesus already provided for you on the cross, something he's already done for you. You become consciously aware of that and it does a supernatural change in your life. Because everything you need for life and godliness, the Bible says, has already been provided for us. We don't have to beg God for something. We've already got it. We just have to get it in our conscious, in our mind, like, and be conscious, aware of the union with Christ. And we, everything we've asked for, the Bible says, all of his promises are yes and amen. Amen? amen. amen. Those verses have to mean something. And I'm telling you, being conscious of your old man, being conscious of how bad you are and how bad you used to be in high school or something, won't add one uh, ounce of faith or hope or power to your life. Because it's dead. It's gone. Amen. So the truth is that Jesus has provided everything we need for life and godliness. John 8, 32 says this, and you will know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So the truth that you don't know is not going to help you. That's good. Uh, you can, Jesus has finished work. It was finished. It was finished. Uh, I'll give you an example of my own life in just a minute, but uh, it was finished a long time ago, but we're not aware what he did. We're just still conscious of the old man. No change is going to come. Romans 12.2 says this, Don't be conformed to, the, the, to this world, but be transformed by renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. We will change, when we change what we think, when we change what we believe, when we line up with what we, line up what we believe with the word of God, renewal happens and transformation happens in our lives. It's agreeing with God. Amen. In 2009, uh, I took a group of teens from our church here and some other people from the community to Kansas City. We went to the International House of Prayer for a conference called Fascinate. I'd never been out there before. And at that time, uh, IHOP, had been, they're, no, they're known for their 24-hour prayer movement. And at that time, they've been praying continuously 24 hours a day for 10 years. And today, it's closer to 24 years. Night and day, they just take these shifts and then people come in and pray. And it's, it's pretty amazing. But uh, my first day there... Our group, it was like 12, 15 of us, something like that. We walked in the prayer room, went and got situated, found our seat and sat down. And you, you feel the presence of God, you know, just because they're praying constantly in there. And I sit down and instantly God started speaking to me. I mean, I just barely got, I don't think I have my Bible open yet or anything. Just sat down. It's like, he just started speaking to me. He, goes, he said, um, to the pure, all things are pure. And I said, okay, yes, Lord, I know that verse. And he repeated again. He said, to the pure, all things are pure. And I was like, I don't understand why you're telling me this. So I'm thinking like, oh man, am I doing something? Because I guess we all at least tend to have this negative thing like, oh man, here comes a scolding or here comes something I did wrong or something. And um, I said, I don't understand why you're telling me this. And he said it again. And he, uh, he was like, to the pure, all things are pure. Then he said, I see you pure. I'm like, what, what? Wow. You think about it, God's pure. Yeah. To the pure, all things are pure. And he said he's seeing me pure. And I was stunned. This was not new information to God, but it was definitely new information to me. Uh, um, even though it's in the Word, I've never read that verse that way before. I never thought about it that way before. I never saw myself as pure before. Uh, and God is pure, but I didn't see myself as pure. I saw my kids as pure, 
I saw Holly's Pure. I saw kids in our youth group at that time. It was Marshall and Patrick and Seth and a bunch of other ones were in there. I saw some of those guys pure. And I thought at this conference we're going to have these amazing encounters with God because the Bible says blessed are the pure in heart because they'll see God. So I'm thinking they're going to see God, have these awesome encounters with God. But for me, my heart's not pure. So I guess I'm probably not going to have this awesome encounter with God. I'm going to do whatever. Now, I probably wouldn't say that out loud because you're supposed to be the pastor, you're a youth pastor, you're supposed to get it all figured out. Man, I'm working in progress, man. <laughs> We're all a work in progress, amen. But uh, let me show you this scripture uh, where, where this comes from. It's Titus 1.15. It says, To the pure, all things are pure, but those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and their consciences are corrupted. So the context here is talking about people. And those that are corrupt, nothing is pure. But those who believe, he calls them pure and says all things are pure. Now, guys, this is talking about our spirit man. Okay, some of our spirit. And it says, we are as pure as he is pure. Now, I don't think we should just ignore that verse. If that is talking about our born-again spirit, and that's a work of Christ that he did in our lives... We should, we should hold on to that and take hold of that, amen? So, uh, and so this took me a while to believe this. Uh, I was shocked. I'm in that prayer room. He's speaking this to me, and I'm just like, I don't know how to respond to that. Like, I guess I have to say thank you. I guess I'm like, thanks. I didn't feel anything different, didn't, but as I studied the Word of God, the Word of God does say and teach us that when He does a work in your spirit, He did it well. You're not dirty anymore. You're not unclean anymore. You, he took care of that. So, again, I, I didn't know this. This was this is something new to me. But how did I come to this conclusion that I could see Holly pure, my kids pure, other people pure, but I didn't see myself? How did I come to that conclusion? Well, I believe my emotions. I believe what I felt about myself. I was overly conscious of my past. I was condemned by bad thoughts and accusations because he's the accuser of the brethren. You know, because we have thoughts and beliefs in our hearts that didn't come from God. Some of them came from yourself. Some came from the enemy. Some came from your grandma or your mom or dad or some school teacher or something. It's just some belief. You don't know why you believe it, right? I was conscious of God. I wasn't conscious of God's perspective of myself, but only my own perspective of me. I had to still achieve. I had to still try to become something better. And I still had an Old Testament mindset. And I was deceived and I didn't know it. You know, it's a funny thing about deception is other people can see it, but you don't see it yourself. You know, it's like they say love is blind, but the neighbors ain't. Right? So, so Proverbs, again, 27 said, for as man thinks in his heart, so is he. So because I didn't see myself pure, so to me, I wasn't pure. Even though from God's perspective, the whole time, from the moment I got born again, my spirit was changed supernaturally to be truly righteous, truly holy. I was as pure as he was pure, and my born-again spirit had no revelation of it. It had no benefit to me. And the same thing in your Christian life today. If you don't see this truth, it's going to have no benefit to you. You get to heaven and say, why, and you're like, why didn't you believe me? Well, do you think I was teasing you? <laughs> you think it was a joke? So your belief is very important. There. I'm going to go back to uh, the Old Testament mindset. It was part of the factors of what I believed. You know, we have to be consciously aware from the Old Testament to the New Testament, there has been a change. Yeah, that's 
Not just in the titles of the books, okay? Or titles of the sections, old and new. Something that has significantly changed, something that was dead is now alive. And that's us. We're now alive in Christ. So, but people get this mixture of like oil and water, law and grace, mixture of old and new. Don't get me wrong. I love the Old Testament. It's filled with great stories, great things for us to learn for, learn from. But it's not our covenant. Our covenant is better than that. The best story you can find in the Old Covenant, ours is better. Need oil multiplied. We need bread multiplied. We need stuff. We need healing. We need provision. Our new covenant is better. But if we're not consciously aware of who we are in Christ, we've been united with him. Our spirits have merged together, have become one. We're still conscious of the old man and the residue it left behind in our soul of, oh, man, what was me stuff. We're not going to walk in the things of God. You probably heard this um, even today, Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and dis- uh, desperately wicked. Who can know it? And people s- preach that today, like that's a New Testament reality, that that's still what your spirit, your heart, your spirit looks like today. Now, is that biblically accurate for today? You can say no because you'll be right, and if you say yes, you're wrong. <laughs> I mean, you're going to have to get revelation of it, but I'm telling you, this is, this is then. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Another one, uh, Psalm 51.10. It says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Right. These verses tell us that our heart is deceitful and they're unclean. But again, is that a New Testament reality of our spiritual condition today? No, it isn't. It was in, in David's day. It was in Jeremiah's day. But it's not in my day. Praise God. Amen. It's not in your day. And you know, people love to sing that song. And they get all worked up with emotion. Sing the song. Create in me a clean heart. Oh, God. And renew a right spirit within me. Great song for David. It's a pitiful song for us to sing. I'm pausing for effect. All right. Um, the very think of the next next words of the song, uh, the the verse and the song. Cast me not away from Thy presence, O Lord, and take not Thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of Thy salvation, and renew a right spirit within me. This is a prayer that David would pray in Psalm fifty-one. Okay, that prayer was answered by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was answered. For us to sing that song today is an insult to the spirit of grace and the move of God. I'm not saying you're doing it like intentionally with a bad heart, but you don't need to, this is not going to make you consciously aware of who your spirit is today. You're going to be conscious of the old man, that, you, that something's wrong with your heart, so you need a new one, you need a right one. It's unclean, you need to make it clean. When Jesus Christ already did that for you, he said he perfected you forever, Hebrews 10, 14. Amen. I want to hear a few more amens. So, yeah. I'm, going to, I'm going to do a little dissecting of this song a little bit. And if you still love it, that's good. But just know its place. It was excellent. It was wonderful that David wrote it. But it's not good today. Uh, I know Keith Green wrote it like Keith Green, but he missed it here. Amen? Yeah. Just saying. Wow. All right. Uh, this is not biblically accurate for us to do. So first... God has already given us a new heart. We've been looking at this last couple of weeks, but it says we're as pure as he is pure. We're righteous and truly holy, perfected forever. So why would we ask God to do something that he already did? Amen. Are you guys okay? Do you, anyone, need a hu- anyone need a hug? 
I'm sorry, that, that your favorite song, I just crushed it, or some of your childhood memories or something like that. I, I, we sang it too growing up, and I sang it as loud and as passionately as everybody in there, because I was, who doesn't want to have a pure heart? Who doesn't want to have a clean heart? Who doesn't want that? But how could you possibly make that happen? Your prayer life? Your confession of all your sins? Or how could you make that happen? It's impossible you make it happen. But Christ, what was impossible for the law to do, Christ did by his spirit. Amen. He did it already, Amen. So uh, the song goes on in Psalm 51, a Psalm of David, and uh, it goes on, cast me not away from thy presence. That's Psalm 5111. So is that something we need to be afraid of today? We're going to do something bad, and he's going to cast us away from his presence. Okay? If it's not something he'll do today, then why sing it? Why say it? Life and death is in the power of your tongue. Those who love it eat the fruit thereof. John 6.37 says this, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. By no means cast out. Don't sing that anymore. It was good for David, but his prayer request was answered. And God created us a clean heart, a right heart, and he renewed a right spirit within us. And he's not going to cast us out of his presence anymore because we've been now merged. He who joins us with the Lord, remember, is one spirit with him. We've been merged with Christ. How can you be cast out of that merger? Yeah, that's right. The two become one. We become one with Christ. Amen? Amen? Amen. If you haven't heard the other verses backing up what I just said, go back and listen to them, okay, or get you the notes. We praise God because of the finished work of Jesus. He's not going to ever cast you out of his presence. Amen. He's not going to. He's not a schizophrenic. All right? He doesn't have multiple personalities. He's not easily angered. Right? Okay, so, uh, so <laughs> oh, praise God. Anyway, I don't know if I'm blowing people out of the water just taking it in or what, but anyway. Um, I had another one, too, I was going to do, but I didn't know if you guys would... Uh, it's just a religious song. I mean, and I just yeah. irritated me. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not picking on old songs. There's a lot of old songs that are better than the new ones we sing today. There's a lot of new ones that are better than some of the old ones. And there's, it's, it's people and for different generations, right? But when I was singing the other day, thinking of it was like, do Lord, oh, do Lord, or do remember me. I was thinking, my gosh, what a horrible thing to say to Jesus. Now look, there's other parts of that song. It's a catchy tune, I know. It's got the bluegrass. Do the Lord, oh, do Lord, oh, do remember me. You know, like it's got a catchy tune and everything. But that line is horrific to me. That Jesus suffered and died on the cross. But he's going to forget about you now. He's going to forget now. When it says his thoughts towards you are like the sand on the seashore. And you've got to remind him. And I know it comes from, comes from the criminal on the cross. And he's saying, remember me when you enter your kingdom and stuff. It is in the Bible. But that guy wasn't saved. There's a difference. We have to distinguish the difference. It's like living in Egypt, living in Goshen. There's a difference once you're born again. You're not the same person you used to be. There's been a change, amen? And we shouldn't be singing that kind of stuff because it's not godly. You shouldn't be confessing that kind of stuff. It's not godly anymore. There has been a change. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. You are now the righteous of God in Christ. He became sin and knew no sin, so you can become the righteous of God. That's who you are. And that's why you feel that in your spirits right now when I speak the word over you like that. You're like, it's bearing witness to your spirit. You're hearing the things of God. It's true. So you don't need to ask him, do remember me when you die and get to heaven. My gosh, like that, what an insult. Like it's asking your mom or your dad, will you remember me when I get to heaven? Well, what do you think? 
man, you're the one going there. You're going to remember everybody. That other guy, he remembered his brothers in there. He remember. Anyway, I'm getting off my notes. We get back on track. But. There's other parts of that song that are good. I'm trying to think of the next line. Like, I took Jesus as my Savior. You take him too. That's, that's perfectly great, you know. But the other line, not so much, okay. All right. And the second, I'll get back on my notes here. I'm getting in trouble. But uh, the second half of that verse says, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. In the Old Testament, that really did happen. When they sinned, the Spirit of God would come on people for a season, for a reason, on prophets, priests, and kings. It even happened on construction workers and did people building the temple and building the Ark of the Covenant, things like that. Okay? It come on for a season and for a time. But in the New Testament, it's not that way. Right. Can I get an amen? amen? It's not that way in the New Testament, is it? No. All right, what is uh, John 14, 16 says this. I want to ask the Father... And he will give you another counselor to be with you until the next time you sin. Oh, you got a different translation? John 14, 16. If you want to put that on the screen, I think you guys have it there. And I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you part-time. Be with you forever. So if he's with you forever, how is he going to leave? Forever means forever, meaning not taking a break continuously on and on and on and on with no breaks. So how can we sing, take not your spirit from me, when he already said, I already gave you my spirit to abide with you forever. Amen? Do you see what I'm saying? What we're consciously aware of is super important. And plus, Hebrews 13.5 says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. So how is he going to cast his spirit away from you? How's he going to take his spirit from you? He's not. That's an Old Testament reality that was truth then. There's a new, higher truth today of who we are now in Christ. Amen? And we have to be consciously aware of this. So I want to break this down a little bit of I will never leave you or forsake you because it's a very powerful verse. When you're going through trials, tribulations, struggles, you feel like you're all alone, you need to know what God really said to you, what his promise really is to you. So I have a PowerPoint for this part here. Um, the original meaning of the word leave, we all know what leave means, but in the Greek it's a more full word. Do you have that there? All right, I'll if you get it good. If you don't, I can just go. All right, there you go. To leave in the Greek means to send back, relax, loosen, to give up, omit, calm, to leave, not to uphold, and to let sink. He says, I'll, I won't do that. I won't leave. So God is not going to send you back to where he came from. Right. He's not going to loosen his grip on your life. He's not going to give up on you. He's not going to admit you. He's not going to leave you or ever let you sink. Yeah. Remember Peter when he was sinking in the water? He said, Jesus, and instantly he, he helped him up. Instantly, immediately he helped him up, right? So the word forsake it means this. It means to abandon, to desert. Now he's, remember, he's never going to do this. To leave in straits, to leave helpless, to totally abandon, to utterly forsake, to leave behind, and to leave surviving. You know, some people have been abandoned by their father, by their mother, some have been abandoned by the, a spouse or a loved one that was close to them, a close friend. But the Lord Jesus Christ, this is part of our covenant of grace, says he will never ever leave you or forsake you. He'll never abandon you. He'll never desert you. He'll never leave you in dire straits all by yourself. He'll never leave you alone and helpless. He'll never leave you behind to survive all by yourself. 
He'll never do it. He'll never do it. You know, every person who's gone before us into heaven, if they come back and speak to us and tell us something, I'm sure they say, his word is true. His word is true. Believe it. He meant it. He never did leave. He never will forsake me. You might have those feelings of that, but it's never going to happen in your lifetime. Amen? Because his word's true. Now, this is a very strong statement. You guys have probably all heard of double negatives. We hear them, I think, a lot in the, in the mountains, too. Uh, double negatives, that's any statement basically with two negative uh, terms in it. But uh, a good example is there is there's not nothing to worry about. There's not nothing to worry about. That's a double negative. You don't need not and nothing there together. Uh, but in this verse in Hebrews 13, 5, which says, I will never leave you, forsake you, there's actually five negatives there. So what is that, a, a sing top with uh, negative? Is that right? Something like that. It's five negative. It's a big one. But think about this. Five is a number for grace, isn't it? Number for grace. And how you could read it would be this way. We could, it was, I will never, no, never leave thee, nor ever forsake thee. I will never, no, never leave thee, nor forsake thee. He's like, I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise. I'm not leaving you as an orphan. I'm not abandoning you. My spirit comes to you. It will be with you. I will never, ever leave you. You are never alone. You can't even go to the bathroom alone. You can't even take a shower alone. You are never, ever alone. The Spirit of God is in you, with you, all the time, 24-7. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Amen. He won't abandon you. I remember my first mission trip ever went on 30 years ago now. Man, oh goodness. Yeah, if somebody saw on Facebook me in the cockpit of the airplane there, which they definitely don't let you do anymore. I went up there thinking of getting some little wings that they used to give out to the young kids. I thought, it's a long flight. This is boring. I'm going to Ukraine. It's a long way. And uh, so I went up there and getting this, it was Aeroflop, which we, I thought, it sounded like a flop too. Like you, when you hit the runway and it landed, the, all the seats went forward. We we're joking that the wings were on by duct tape and stuff. But uh, we got to the thing and the guy's like, you want to fly the plane? I was like, no, I don't want to fly the plane. You want to sit here? I'm like, for picture. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I can sit there for picture. But I'll make sure it's on autopilot. I don't want to, I mean, there's like two, 300 people on there. I don't want to kill anybody. And uh, so I just sat there and got a picture. Again, never let you do that today. But I'm on that trip, and I didn't know anybody. I was 21 or 20 years old. Yeah, 20 years old. I was nervous, scared, didn't know anybody on the trip. I just knew God wanted me to go, so I went. And I'm on, on the trip, and I'm feeling alone. I'm feeling nervous. I'm like, what did I get myself into? I don't have one friend here. I don't know anybody. And then I started listening to an, uh, my old cassette tape. Some of you guys may have seen them. It, it was red, and I put it in there, and the he- puffy headphones with the little fluffy fuzzes that, like, deteriorate sometimes and get in your ear, and, like, like those cheap old things. And, were, and I was sitting there listening to uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman. And it was, they didn't have a lot of different selections back then. But it was, it was, it was good. I liked some of his stuff. And it was like a Saddle Up Your Horses. It was a, a called The Great Adventure. And uh, there's something about that song. I just listened to this. I'm in this plane flying over the Atlantic Ocean. I'm like, man, I'm on for the ride of my life right here. And, you know, in that moment, I felt alone. And all of a sudden, I listened to this song. I, I wasn't alone. Right. I wasn't alone. You're never alone. Amen. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Amen. So um, he is not going to withdraw his presence or his power from your life. So we should not sing, cast me away from your presence. We should not sing, take your, do not take your spirit from me. He said, I will never, no, never leave you or forsake you. Amen. Good. Amen. Good. 
So again, good for David, but not good for us today. So um, let me skip down here. Since that time at IHOP, I've been studying on this thing. So is it really true? It really is really how you see me. You really see me righteous and truly holy. You really see me pure right now, even when I have a thought that wasn't pure or something went on that wasn't good. You still see me that way? And it's like, absolutely, yes. And it's in the word. It's in the word, right? Think of the story of Acts 10. It's 12 noon and Peter's hungry, like maybe some of you guys are. I don't know if we're at noon or past noon right now. But anyway, he was hungry. He's waiting for the food to get cooked. So he went up on the roof to pray and just wait for the food. And while he's praying, he had this vision. You guys remember this vision? Okay, at three times he had this, he saw heaven opened and this big, huge sheet, the word is like for use for like a sail, coming down to the earth. And in this sheet, there was all these uh, four-footed animals in there, which were all like beasts, creeping things of the air. They're all considered unclean animals that the Jews couldn't eat. But they're wrapped up in this nice white sheet. And it meant something. Three times he heard it. Then he heard heard, uh, Peter heard God say, rise, Peter, kill and eat. It's like a Duck Dynasty shirt I have. It doesn't say Peter, but it says, rise, kill and eat, right? So... um, But Peter replied, no, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean. You remember this story? I will pick it up in Acts 10, 15 and 16. The voice spoke to him a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made pure. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. So while he was still wondering what the vision meant, this Roman centurion had a vision uh, had a, actually angelic visitation three days before that and sent uh, three of his guys to Peter to get him to come back to him and his family tell him the things of God. That's Cornelius. We'll see this in Acts 10, 27, 28. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against the law for a Jew to associate with a, or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Hmm. Here's his interpretation of his vision. The white sheet, the animals coming down three times. God spoke to him, get up, kill and eat. He wasn't really telling him to go kill and eat, even though he did uh, clean those animals. They are now, Jews are now allowed to eat those animals if they, Christian Jews, I guess. The other ones wouldn't be kosher. But, uh, but he said, don't call anything impure that God's made clean. He was referring to the animals, yes. But more importantly, he was referring to people, the Gentiles. The unclean, the dogs, the Gentiles. He now said, don't call them that anymore. I made them clean. They're now wrapped in this white blanket. We've now got on a robe of righteousness, a garment of righteousness, because he made us clean on the inside. Amen? He made us clean. Don't call him. So if he, God told Peter not to call these people unclean, I think we should say for us today, we shouldn't be calling each other unclean either. Right. Amen? No longer know each other after the flesh, and know each other after the Spirit. And the Spirit of God made you righteous and truly holy, pure as He is pure. Amen? Wow. Amen. So uh, God confirmed the correct interpretation of uh, Peter's vision by baptizing in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit came down just like it did in Acts 2. They all filled the Spirit, and they all prayed in tongues. Gentile people that God made clean. Amen? So God made us clean. We should not. It might be country talk it might be joking around of i'm just a whatever whatever but if it doesn't honor god keep your mouth shut because that's not who you are you are who god says you are amen and we can do what he says we can do so i'm going to close these couple of verses here first john 3 3 
And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. That's a powerful statement. Again, talk with your spirit. Everyone who has this hope that Jesus is my Lord and Jesus is my Savior, believers, their spirits are now as pure, just as pure as God's spirit is pure. How? Because you've been merged together. 1 Corinthians 6, 17, you join us with the Lord as one spirit with him. Just as pure. So we don't need to be praying those things anymore. He already did it. Or we can say around here, he done did it. He done did. Amen? Amen. It is the finished work of Jesus. And it's a dishonor to his, his, his covenant of grace. It's a dishonor to what he accomplished for us. We don't recognize this as part of our covenant. And you think that you're just a, a better sinner than anybody else. So this couldn't possibly be true. No, that's doubt. That's unbelief. That's religion. And that's hogwash. That truth will set you free. It's believing what God said about you is true. No matter what your soul tries to cry out and tell you, or anybody else tries to cry out and tell you, that is the truth. Amen? Amen. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So my question for you today is, what are you conscious of? Are you still conscious of the old man? That he removed? I so like me uh, for, at IHOP, uh, thinking I was unclean, unpure, whatever. I, I was pretty sure I was saved. I don't, I don't know. I, I, my theology was just wasn't defined well enough yet. Somehow I believed I was saved, but still thought I was un, unclean or impure. Explain that one. But anyway, um, Ezekiel prophesied about a change coming to our hearts in chapter 36, verse 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Everything that the Bible does, everything that God does, he first announces to the prophets. And here he says, one day is coming. I'm going to give you a brand new heart, not a stony heart, not a hard heart, but one soft and tender like God, like God, like in flesh. And now we've been given the spirit of God, a newly created born again spirit by him. So God gave us new hearts. He put a new spirit inside of us. And when he did, he created it righteous and truly holy. He made it as pure as he is pure. He made it spotless. Now, I'm finishing here just so those that are yawning and stretching and everything, just so you know, I am finishing. It's not my third time saying it. I am finishing here. But think of the ramifications of what I'm telling you. How much time have you spent praying for God to do something in your heart or in your life that he said he already did. Amen. So wouldn't it be better, instead of praying for these things he already did, thanking him for what he already did in your heart? Yes. And as you thank him for what he's already done, you'll be transformed, like Romans 12, too. Be transformed, renewing your mind. Change how you think. Change how you think. And you change how you think, you're going to realize, like it happened to me at IHOP, all of a sudden, I already was pure, but I didn't know it. And the same thing will happen to you. You'll realize how pure you are, your born-again spirit, what he did for you, what he accomplished for you. It is a finished work. You are as righteous as he is righteous. I know it sounds blasphemous, but we're righteous by faith, not by our works. And it takes faith to say stuff like this. I know what I'm saying. I realize how crazy it sounds. I know. I'm hearing it out loud. But it's in the Bible. It's God's word. It's what he said about us. It's the finished work of Jesus. And as you partner with his truth, you will be transformed from glory to glory to glory. Amen? Amen. Metamorphosis. It changed from that caterpillar into a soaring, flying butterfly that can do more than you ever could before as we believe what he says about us is true. So he has removed that stone heart from you. 
You might have some residue left in your mind, will, and emotion, but he removed it from you and he gave you a heart of flesh that was recreated, righteous, and truly holy, just like him. You know, any good dad wants their son, their daughter to resemble them. They want, they want them to look like them, just be like them, at least in some way, some capacity, want them to be like them. And guess what? You are like God in your spirit, just like God. When you get to heaven, you're not going to be more righteous than you are right now. Righteous means right standing with God. You have it through faith in Jesus. You already have it. There's no more brownie points needed, no more works needed. It's a finished work, a gift of grace for you. And if you hear that and you hear me saying that doesn't mean how we live and stuff like that, you're not hearing what I'm saying. I'm saying if you, when you know how much God loves you, when you know what he already did for you, that other stuff you just won't even want to waste your time doing. Yeah. Amen. Why bother when someone loves you that much and change your life so much? Amen. We guys stand, I want to pray a blessing on you guys. Spirit, soul, and body, we have to discern the difference. What are we consciously aware of? Not the old man anymore, no more conscious of sins, but the conscious of who we are in Christ. Conscious of the union, see the union. So God, I just thank you today that we put on Christ, we make no provision for the flesh. Thank you, Lord. Yes. I thank you for what you did in our hearts that you recreate us righteous and truly holy, that you purified our hearts just as you were pure, that you became sin who knew no sin so we could become the righteous of God in you. I think you wrapped us in that robe of righteousness. You covered us with your spirit, sanctifying work of Jesus. You perfected us forever. And God, I bless your children right now. I pray the blinders would come off, religious would, religion would fall to the side, and the truth would set us free who we really are in Christ. We just pray for increase, increase just like I had that encounter at IHOP. They'd have that encounter right now. Yes. To the pure, all things are pure. And God sees you pure right now. Yes, thank you, Jesus. I thank you, God, for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 The Bible says the righteous live by faith, so you have to take this word by faith. So God bless you guys. You are dismissed. Don't forget tonight, 630, got our community worship night healing service. Come on back and you'll have a great time together.